This is your host, Natalie Allport, and welcome to the All In Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. She was actually one of the original guests in the first season of our podcast all the way back in 2017, and it is my good friend, Jenna Blasman. Jenna is a 2014 Olympian in the sport of slopestyle snowboarding. That is the sport that I uh, used to compete in. And that's a sport that I've talked about when it comes to missing out on the 2014 Olympics and all these different things. She was the athlete and the friend who ended up getting that final spot on the Canadian national team in 2014 and going to the Olympics. And, um, her journey is very similar to mine, despite the fact that she did make it, she did get that spot. She's been through countless injuries since then. She's walked away from competition since then. And this podcast was, I think, quite healing for both of us to kind of go through our stories, um, reconnect over them and go through some of the parallels in that journey. So we talk a lot about in this journey, um, injuries and snowboarding, the mindset and the PTSD and trauma that comes with some of those injuries and especially the repetitive injuries and why they, why they might happen. We talk about the pressure and the pressure around the sport, even getting into the Olympics in, in the first place. Um, we talk about, you know, kind of keeping that love that you had originally from the sport. We talk about connecting with other things and other passions that you have and how that won't take away from the main goal that you have in your sports and the more sustainable path to success in sports. Really, we cover a bunch of different deep topics um, that kind of encompass both of our journeys in, in sport. We also talk about Jenna's new book, a poetry book, Tidal Wave, and some of the interesting poems that she writes in there and how it relates back to her personal journey in sport as a snowboarder and as an Olympian. So without further ado, let's go all in. Welcome to the All In Podcast, Jenna. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. Yeah, and I'm excited to dive into this. People probably don't know because a lot of people have just started tuning in over this past year as we kind of revamped the podcast, but you're actually like an OG guest. You were one of the first guests back in 2017. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And for people who don't know, Jenna and I go way, way back to Canada snowboard days and snowboarding. And um, Jenna went to the 2014 Olympics for slopestyle snowboarding, which was like the first time slopestyle was in the Olympics. Um, but yeah, can you give like an overview for people who don't know you who didn't listen to the past episode, basically of like your background growing up snowboarding national team Olympics? Like, let's just like walk through that journey to start things off. Oh, God, it was a long journey. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, you were there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, part of it. Part of it. Yeah. So, okay. I guess how did it start? Um, the, the IOC basically adopted, um, slope style snowboarding. I think it was in like 2013, 2012, 2011 or 2012. 2011. I think. Yeah. Cause I remember I graduated high school and I was out at Camp of Champs and they announced, I think it was like when I was out at Camp of Champs that they announced that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And that year, so that year I had, uh, my first ACL tear or I was kind of like a partial tear two years before that or something. And finally it tore. And so I was recovering that year. So I wasn't on the team. Um, and I remember being pretty bummed cause I love snowboarding and I was pretty hyped on competing at the time. Um, 
So the next year I came back and did the Canadian Shields contest and I did pretty good. And then they put me on the team and then I had like a rough season competing. There was quite a bit of pressure. It was, it was really interesting coming from such a free spirited perspective, although we were competing, but it was a lot different once the national team was integrated into the sport. Um, there was, it was really interesting. So yeah, so there was quite a bit of pressure. I had a pretty bad season and they dropped me from the team. Um, and then, and I was being basically bullied by this one girl, same with Sam Danita. Yeah. You know, Sam. So lots of drama with the, uh, yeah. Well, when things like competition gets a part of it, right. Especially with a sport that hasn't had the background, like we didn't all grow up like having teams and like, you know, like in (sighs) gymnastics, right. Like you grow up in the system, but we already like got put into a system like at like 17. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like, it was odd. It was kind of, yeah, it was really, it was different for, and I think there's still even controversy now with skateboarding and surfing being integrated. It's kind of the same idea. So yeah, it was weird and um, also like a beautiful experience. So um, yeah, so I was on the team, got dropped from the team um, uh, and then had like a pretty okay season. And I think it was the New Zealand World Cup where I came fifth in 2013. Um, That really pulled me through to qualifications. Um, And same with Sam, actually. They had this weird um, system where some of the girls would sort of um, open qualifying spots. And then the last three competitions, there's a lot of pressure for everyone. And those last three competitions would get whoever sort of came out on top um through to the olympics and so it was just a lot of pressure especially with you know snowboarders with that free spirited background and this new system um and yeah i was stoked to be on the team um and then that following year you know i i went in <laughs> took a lot of pressure put a lot of pressure on myself and um, I wanted to finish like top 10 on the fifth circuit, which I didn't need to do like that. I really did not need to do that. I probably should have just focused on shredding and developing as a rider and a person. Um, but I, I felt pressure from family and from friends, not from friends, but I felt like I needed to be this pro athlete, you know, this Olympian, which like, God bless, I think no one should ever have that type of mentality because it can really, it can really put you back and which that it kind of did for me. So I ended up like, I, I went to this Czech World Cup, qualified first, God bless, I was so stoked. Yeah. yeah, because I think it was more like I qualified first against this rider who I looked up to all my life and she was significantly older than me. Um, so I was super stoked and I was like riding with riders that I always admired. Um, and then <laughs> we didn't have a coach at that world cup cause it, it wasn't, it wasn't on the plan really. Um, but I wanted to qualify top 10 anyway, or to come top 10 in the whole circuit. Yeah. Um, so I had a pretty bad concussion and it was really, really, really scary. Um, and I was out for about nine months 
um, with mainly just tension headaches. Um, but yeah, it was really, 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 really freaking terrifying <laughs> when it happened. Um, so yeah. And then I recovered and the next season I, I, I actually did pretty well. Like I started, um, qualifying first in these world cups. Again, I learned, uh, uh, I mean, it's nothing compared to what the girls are doing now, but at the time, Fresh is um, crazy. it's, it's insane. I'm yeah. I'm stoked. I'm so stoked on Lori. Oh my God. Lori blew in. She's a, she's a boss. But so back seven was pulling me through at the time and I was qualifying first and these girls were starting to do doubles. Um, but yeah, so, so my story, I was, I was qualifying first and then I was kind of just like choking in finals every time, but I would, I would come maybe like fourth or fifth or sixth. Um, so it was an interesting case probably for the coaches and there was, there was like, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I probably should have just relaxed and, you know, just rode for, for the love of the sport, which is what always put like, which always raised me up. Um, so yeah. And then basically I created this injury pattern and it was just like injury after injury after injury that put me out for so long. Oh my gosh. And it was really, really mentally taxing. And I fought so hard to stay like in the game, but in the end, like it, the injuries won. I was so, so depressed and it weighed me down so freaking much. Um, and, but I've always somehow came back and like did pretty well after, which is, I think pretty significant not to like pump my tires or anything, but it's like hard. That's really freaking hard to do. Yeah. Really so, hard. Yeah. Yeah. As you, like when you identify yourself as an athlete and that's like your, your love and your, your identity, it's, it's your whole, it's everything. It's your world. So to have that taken away from you, knowing that you were the person who did it, it is like, it's a hard pill to swallow. And then you're out for a while. Like I had um, an MCL in South Korea where I was at the top and my coach, uh, coach L, he was the best. He is the best, uh, the, the current Canadian coach right now. He's Brad. He was kind of like, we're all like, you need to relax. Like you're fine. Just just like get the speed of the jumps, just, just get to know the course and do your thing. But I'm just up there like, I need to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just putting way too much pressure on myself, which no one should do. Um, <laughs> so I had an MCL there. And then the injury after that, there was like a, a, a bruised bone, an ankle bone talus type yeah. situation, which yeah. Ankles, you know, all about those. Oh my gosh. And bruised bones. Like, yeah, you had a, a, a heel, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah. Exploded the heel. That was not good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So like those, it's like the physical pain kind of sucks, but then the mental struggle I think is a lot worse. So, okay. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> I guess my okay my career ended in in 2017 right before the Olympics like three months before the Olympics um by broken femur and oh yes, you know, right. yeah that really 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 sucked and they 
the, the, I like, I woke up on the hospital bed in Italy and the nurses were hammering the pole into my leg and it it was mad traumatic. (laughs) And they, they like screwed my leg on crooked and then I had to go back to Canada and they had to straighten it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a weird break. And it, and then after that, like I had an ACL done. And so after 2018, basically there's two years where I had like four surgeries and it was just like, <laughs> ever since 2015, it was just like injury all the way until basically 2020. I'm finally like, I feel like I can snowboard now, <laughs> which is so great. And I, I don't feel pressure to compete, which is Oh God, what a blessing. <laughs> but it was like a pretty, pretty um, weird, w- probably a weird case for the coaches. And like, it was really hard for me too. It was, it was so confusing. <laughs> yeah. Frick. Well, so, there's so many yeah. like things I want to touch on there. Um, like I'll go back to like, yeah, the Olympic qualifying process because um like you said there was yeah like people had to you had to open up a spot and then Canada only ended up getting two women's spots I think the max we could have opened was four so like the guys had four um and the first spot was pretty much already taken by Spencer Spencer O'Brien so it was like there was like five six of us who all like really wanted the last spot obviously and there was so much crazy drama and um different things and like what I thought was so cool but like obviously like as someone who had kind of like a far out chance, I was like bummed, but like, still, I was like, so stoked for you who got the spot because you were like the most like free spirited love snowboarding compared to the rest. And even my own mindset, which was like, I want to win. Like I need to win. I need this spot, you know? And so it's interesting to hear your background behind it of that. You were going through that whole thing too. Like you were in it with the rest of us of all that pressure and everything, because you did a really good job of like on the outside, just you love snowboarding. And I think like of everyone, you love snowboarding the most, almost in a sense, because a lot of us have turned, had turned it into something else, at least from like the external perspective. Wow. Thank you. Oh my gosh. My heart girl. Wow. That's beautiful. It's kind of crazy though, because I admired you so much and the other girls, but because your like work ethic, when it came to the gym and training and everything, not to say that I was a slacker, but <laughs> like I was so in love with snowboarding that it was, it was kind of like yin and yang, not that, Oh my gosh, just like if I could have had your drive in the gym, <laughs> God damn, <laughs> like you were very, you're very calculated and committed. And I really always really respected that a lot. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it definitely carried over to what I do now and the love I have for what I do now, but like, it was also a detriment in a sense, because for sure, like if I just, you know, spent more time on snow not more time on snow but you know just had like fallen back in love with it rather than making it into this like whole thing uh I probably would have gotten a lot further and avoided some of the things that I had to go through which but it's been really interesting to hear like how you had to go through some of those same things uh as well and I wanted to touch on um 
like people think that, well, people don't realize the sport of snowboarding and how like traumatic some of these injuries are, because it's not like, you know, you're, you're a runner and you're like, oh, I have to miss out on this race. Cause I have plantar fasciitis or I have shin splints. Like those are like, you know, you go out running. Oh, this is kind of bugging me. Okay. I can't run on my best. I have to pull out all the snowboard injuries are traumatic injuries. There's not like a small injury, like, Oh, like this is kind of bugging me. It's like you snap your femur or you tear your ACL or, uh, you like explode your heel or you break your tailbone or your ribs or a concussion. Right. Because yeah. there's these big, big falls and those falls come along with like traumatic memories of them. Because when it comes to like running, I'm not really going to get scared of getting shin splints again. Cause it's like a gradual thing. It's not like that scary to get right. It's painful for sure. But like painful mm-hmm. over time But with snowboarding, it's like, Oh, I'm remembering that if I fell 60 feet to my head and that's going to cause me not to want to do that same trick again, or to hit that same jump again or all these things. And so there's so much trauma that you have to work through, through these injuries. And I think that is also something that kind of leads to back to back to back injuries, because you have that like in your head. And for me, at least I found that like in the year that I stepped away, it was like the fear got too much. Like it was like the fear was too much from all those traumatic injuries. And I never really dealt with them. Like now people would probably say, well, you would have gone to therapy and treated it even as like PTSD. Like if you got in a car accident, but like in snowboarding, it was like, no, just push through. And in any sport, right? Like gymnastics too, that's a big one where it's like, no, just push through. You got to get back. You got to get back. But if you don't deal with the mental side of what happened in the injury, then often just that fear, all those subconscious things, it leads to more injury and more like caution as you're going into your runs. And it just affects your, your whole career. And like, yeah, it's just crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, you got it. That's, that's it. And, and it's awesome now that Canada snowboard has a psychologist, sports psychologist, because, oh my God, Christy helped me so much. Cause yeah, those injuries are like, like you're, you're going, I don't know how much, maybe like 60, like miles per hour, I think, or whatever down this freaking scaffolding jump into this ramp that shoots you up and and if you have like a traumatic injury, if you've had a crash, yeah, that's hard to just dive into again. Cause you know, your, your life is kind of at risk. Like concussions yeah. are a big thing with that sport. Oh, hundred percent. And it's not even like you're scared to do the same jump or the same trick again. It's also that like that plays in your head. And like, for example, you're taking off, off the jump and you get like this, like flashback of it happening or whatever. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're the same thing could happen very easily. Again. I know like that's happened to me, right? Like you go to j- drop into a jump and you're thinking, Oh, remember last time when I caught my heel edge? Well, if all you're thinking about is catching your heel edge again, like what's going to happen, you're going to catch your heel edge again. And it's yeah. like so hard to work through those, those patterns. And so, um, I think that's like, your story has given some great insight to the listeners who don't understand like the mentality behind action sports and those injuries. Cause it's very, very different from other sports. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. It's a strong, strong mental game when you're recovering from injuries, it's definitely difficult. Yeah. We had, um, I guess probably a month ago, um, 
Annie, uh, who ended up representing Canada for Canada Skateboard on, on the podcast, but she we, she did it when she found out like that she wasn't going to go. And then, of course, like a couple of weeks later, she found out that she got the spot and ended up flying out there last minute, right? But um, it was really interesting to hear her perspective, too, on the same things, that she almost fell out of love with the sport and almost wanted to stop during the process of qualifying for the Olympics because it became this thing, right? And she kind of lost the love for it. All of a sudden, it was like this specific training and it wasn't just doing it for fun. And, um, if people are listening, they probably hear us talking a lot about the pressure and these things, and they probably think, okay, in sport, you have to deal with those pressures and those things. And that is very, very true. But when it comes to these action sports where you're putting your life on the line and your body on the line, like you have to be in the right headspace to do it. You have to be able to get to that flow state. You have to be like in love with it, uh, to do it well and like more safely and all, and all these things and to keep wanting to push. And, uh, as much as like, you have to obviously like learn to deal with the pressure and things like that that come with the competition side, it's like when you lose touch of why you do it, it just, not only does it make you want to step away, but it makes you, it like takes away from your performance. And for, you know, perhaps with you and your story of you would qualify first. And then all of a sudden, like you can never perform in the finals with all this pressure you're putting on yourself versus like when I see you snowboard just for the love of it and you're just free flowing, you're like landing everything. I remember whenever we would snowboard training in Whistler, like for, it would take me so many runs to like build up to like start doing my tricks and everything. Like first run, you're just like flowing around, having fun, landing everything. And I was like, damn, like, I wish it just was so natural uh, to me. But I find like when you lose that natural ability, like that connection with that natural ability, that's where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. The pressure can really, um, it can get to you. And, and yeah, you fall, you fall out of love with the sport because it's almost like you can, you become an outsider looking at, you kind of like wake up to the fact that, holy shit, like you are throwing yourself off these huge jumps and one, one, one little fraction of a second can really mess you up if you are not focused and in the flow. And that's, can be some, yeah, some detrimental, um, injuries for sure. That's, that's <laughs> such a good perspective that you said, like, I, I, you know, I've been on different podcasts talking about my, my story about snowboarding and, um, I've, I've always tried to like put it into words of like how that last season, I just felt like I was an outsider looking in and everything was like, why the hell am I doing? This is so crazy. Oh, like I hit my head. Why am I, is my coach making me try this trick again and not letting me go in? And like, I would never think that when I first started snowboarding, I said, if I die snowboarding, I die doing what I love, like whatever. But then all of a sudden I was like this outsider looking in thinking like, wow, this is so crazy. Like, why am I doing this? This could like impact my life and, and all these things. And I found like, that was like the point where I had to step away because it was just, I, I don't know if I could have ever gotten back to the, the mindset before where it was like, okay, no fear. Well, fear, but like, you know, it's natural. It's like, this is what I love to do, but it's, but that's a good perspective. It was literally like outsider looking in, like all of a sudden you're like the people who I'm sure you got it growing up. Like people are like, Oh, you do that crazy sport. Like you fly off these jumps and do this. And I'm like, yeah, but it's normal for me. But then all of a sudden it wasn't anymore. And that was really weird. And it's hard to swallow when you're like mind changes on that sport. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You get a little wake up call and then you start, you know, questioning life. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, like I, I want to move into now, like that was a great background. I feel like people are listening to our, uh, our therapy session of <laughs> all our experience <laughs> was in snowboarding, but I know, yeah, you, you went to, you got to go to the 2014 Olympics, which was, which was awesome. And then obviously dealing with injury, uh, back then, uh, or after that, sorry. And, um, and then kind of stepping away from the competition side, dealing with injury. So now what are you up to? Um, and then I want to, I'm uh, like, I'll have some questions for sure about your, um, your book but like what what did you learn from that experience that you're taking into what you're doing now <laughs> um wow what did I learn from the experience I, I guess um I guess it's it's really easy to get I'm sure we've all felt this when you sort of get caught up in maybe the scene or or people around you where you're, when you're 110% committed to this like game, it's, you can really get carried away. So, um, and so, yeah, I think I, I learned a lot about kind of myself actually. And, and like, yeah. And, and just like staying, understanding how I work the best, uh, where to put my boundaries up. Um, I mean, I, Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've understood a lot about the, I guess the flow of, of life and like, yeah. And, and just how, how you operate. So if, if you were some sort of computer system, um, <laughs> let's say your brain was like a computer system, you want to understand the software in it because I think your environment and people you surround yourself with affect you a lot. And, um, if you operate better around a certain type of person or, or a certain type of personality or, or say you, you operate better in the mountains versus suburbs, you, I think it's really important to follow your gut and your intuition and go with that. And, and um, yeah, so I, I've been, I've been learning more about myself and the way I operate and I have been trying to implement those into my current um endeavors I guess yeah I love that I I, <laughs> I yeah I love your perspective on this because I know like I have my feelings on it for example like people ask me all the time uh like do you wish that you could make sure that no one went through the same thing that you did for example of like injuries and like not falling out of love with the sport and stuff and for me personally I'm like I don't regret what happened. I don't know how things could have changed if they were different or whatever, or where I'd be now, but like in perspective, it was such a great lesson of learning about myself. And what I've learned since then has been so important. If it didn't happen, I wouldn't have learned those things. And so I'm curious okay. like, what your thought is on like all those things. Obviously it's like, you know, all those injuries are no fun to go through and the process of the pressure to the Olympics and all these different things. But, uh, do you, like, what, what are your thoughts on it? Do you wish you could go back and change that? Or are you like just happy that it happened? So you learned some of these things about yourself. Um, oh my gosh, there's definitely things I would have changed. Absolutely. And I think that's like my, <laughs> my inspiration to coach. Like I kind of want to, Yeah. I want to coach because there's, oh my gosh, there's so much I've changed. <laughs> um, but a lot of that was and I'm so freaking grateful for the experience. Like, are you kidding? To, uh, yeah, it's just, it was amazing, but it was so hard. Um, but I think a lot of my problems, um, they were <laughs> sort of derived financially. <laughs> like, um, 
I really, I thought it was really cool that Lori had this, um, she had maximized and she had this like, like freaking amusement park for snowboarders where she could just go and like do her, the things she loves. She could jump on trampoline and, and work with and Max and, and shred, which is so rad. But at the same time, you know, I, I wouldn't have worked well doing that because that's, that's not the way I Yeah, absolutely. I'm not. And, and that's sort of what, that's what, the national team wants so she's a perfect she was a perfect um prospect <laughs> um and so yeah I, I I just think um I would change things definitely but you know I, I didn't I I didn't have the the um finance it was so freaking expensive for me to live in Whistler <laughs> and I wasn't living the way I should have yeah it's it was crazy. And maybe I should have went back to Ontario where it was cheaper, but then, then there's this, like, are you doing that just to train? And then maybe that's taking me out of my comfort zone as well. So there's a lot of things I, I could have um, reflected on as an athlete, but I was almost so caught up in needing to win and having this like addiction to, to like pr- putting pressure on myself because I, I needed it to prosper. Um, but in hindsight, like the, the best way I could have prospered is just to like win myself back, which is so deep and cliche. <laughs> but, no, I love that. But yeah, I guess that's my answer to that one. Well, I like, that was a really cool reflection. And I just want to like butt in and say like to, to people who don't know Lori, we're talking about Lori is a, a friend of ours who she's gone on to win the silver uh, medal at the 2018 Olympics in slope style. And she's has X games medals um, in big air and slope style. And like, she's, she's crushing it. We actually, I, I had did a live with her. She was the first live I did last year when I brought back the podcast, but of course I forgot to save it. So unfortunately for those listening into the podcast, uh, it's not, it's not saved. So you won't be able to find it, but we'll have to have her back. But, um, yeah, she definitely thrived in that environment. But what you, what I thought was a really cool reflection is you, what you were saying before about like, you've learned so much about yourself and the environments you thrive under and those things. Do you mm-hmm. find, cause I found back then I was wishing I was in these other environments. Like, Oh, I wish, yeah, I had Maximies in this, or I wish I had this and this, but instead of focusing on like what I did have and like maybe figuring out maybe I would, if I had that environment, that wouldn't have been the environment that I thrived under or, you know, vice versa. Right. Like, and yeah. so, uh, it is interesting to have that reflection of, you know, you, we're all comparing ourselves to other people all the time. And often mm-hmm. that can take us away from like, well, what do we have that we can make the best of? And, you know, actually figuring out what's best for us. It's for example, that situation is best for her. And we're thinking, cause she's doing well, then we need that situation too. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's a different situation, but in sports, mm-hmm. we often get thrown into one system or in school, one system, rather than, you know, figuring out our own system that works the best for us as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe a combination um, for myself would have been like, throwing some surf trips in there and, you know, like having that training, um, perspective where, you know, you, you're, you're obviously training hard, but then you can go and, and draw outside or color outside the lines or whatever the term is, (laughs) but have some, some freedom for creativity, especially when the sport was going in such a narrow direction where it was basically, 
you need to do doubles to to prosper in that sport and that that was super frustrating coming from my perspective for sure <laughs> no yeah a hundred percent and I think that that's that's really interesting because like back then I was thinking oh all these people have more money so they can spend more time on snow so that's what I need to do versus like realizing maybe it's actually just you know like like for me it was like spending more time in the gym and doing the things that I could do or um you know and those things that can make you happy throughout the process. And that's something we talk about on the podcast a lot is that a lot of kids think they have to be so hyper-focused. Like all I can do is basketball or all I can do is soccer. But for some people, sure, that's, that's, that's how they're going to thrive. But for other people, they need those other outlets and that's not going to take away from your performance. For example, like you saying, maybe adding in those surf trips and those other things only would have benefited your mental and physical health and performance throughout the journey. And so everyone is different. We don't have to like conform to just doing this. Like for example, uh, in the Michael Jordan documentary, Dennis Rodman had to go and like blow off steam and go to, um, he would go to like Las Vegas and party and all these different things, but, and then he'd come back and crush the game and you would think, okay, well, a top athlete should not be doing this, right. But for him, that's (laughs) for him. So who are we to say that, like, if he's still playing at that high level, like that he should, if we try to conform him to the system that everyone else was in, probably wouldn't have been this, the same player that he was. And so, um, I yeah. think that's a really good lesson for kids listening is like, if you have these other passions, the other, th- these other things, they can support that same goal. You don't have to spend 110% of your time only on this one single thing. If that's yeah. going to burn you out from doing the sport, how long you want to do it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And especially like feeling like there's these expectations from coaches or parents or, or your peers and and that can really like kind of box you in so yeah it's really important to just operate on your own system find that autonomy yeah so you have a, a book it's called tidal wave and I was able to like read over some I haven't read, read through the whole thing yet it's like it's long like I, I haven't gone through everything is. but no but I've been really enjoying reading some of the poems <laughs> and I put a quote up because I wanted to ask you about it and I think this is really like a powerful line so I'd love for you to explain it and I think it touches on some of the things you've already touched on but said I chained my passion to profit and thought I was free I think that's really yeah. powerful could you yeah walk us through that Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's basically what I've been talking about. Um, and I think it's, yeah. So, um, when, when the Olympics basically adopted slope style snowboarding, um, there was all this hype and there was a lot of resistance, which I think, um, skateboarding and surfing might be going through as well, or maybe they were going through before the Olympics. I don't know, but, um, there's a lot of resistance from the core, kind of athletes that kind of paved the way because it was so there was a lot there's so much from my end I really I really respect those people because they kind of went against society and just followed their soul and and oh my gosh created this beautiful sport and oh my and just created so much opportunity for us so so that's a passion part (laughs) Um, and then obviously chaining yourself to profit is that's the whole is the old story of corporate and passion and how can you find the balance because capitalism is huge and I've been struggling I mean my whole career I was trying to struggle I was struggling with um, trying to accept 
like trying to really um, be grateful for capitalism, even when there's there's both so much good and so much um, bad that has come from it, especially because the freaking world is on fire. That's <laughs> like, a great paradox, right? Like we're flying around the world snowboarding, but the world is on <laughs> fire. Like it's an, it's insane. I just it blows my mind. And it's also why I'm so interested in sociology, because you can kind of take a, a step back and look at the world through a third like from a bird's eye perspective I guess and it's it's just like I really think we need to be lighting up environmentalists and mental health workers and yeah and and you know physical trainers because like everyone's hurting and so it's a really confusing time right now (laughs) so chaining your passion to profit and thinking you're free is just a big it was a big trap for me. And I really, I, I wish everyone can find autonomy and just kind of, um, find perspective and self-reflect. And I think it's really important to, um, yeah, check yourself, check your mind and look at your surroundings and kind of question why you're doing things and what, what the real goal is, because, you know, being a millionaire or winning a gold medal, might not always um, deliver happiness. You know, everyone's different in so many ways. And and we're all like, like neurons in a brain. I mentioned this in the book. It's like, we all need to be different and creative and, and just flourish in our own way. So that's where that came from. (laughs) No, I I really like that because um, I've talked on the podcast before in an episode about like, like actual goals, like end goals. And so people have often these goals of like make money and it's like, okay, make money for what? Oh, so I can spend time with my family. And it was like, so you're going to give up your whole life, not spending time with your family, sacrifice time with your family to make more money. It it just like you skip the end. The real end goal there was freedom. It was time freedom. It was financial freedom. It was having the freedom to spend time with your family, but you made the money part or the job part, that end goal, which actually was taking you away from that goal. So it's like taking that macro perspective of like, wait a second, maybe I could take a pay cut and spend more time with my family throughout the whole, this whole period. Right. And so I really liked that line. It really resonated because I think it's very true. We, we think we have these goals of freedom and we think that, you know, having to make this money or get this job or win this medal is going to get us there, but actually usually it might be taking it away if we don't reassess like what is actually the end goal and is this actually serving it? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And, and thank you for like uh, reflecting on that and, and bringing that line into this conversation. Cause yeah, I appreciate that. It's no, cool. it's cool that we were already kind of talking about it. And yeah, I definitely had that line written down cause I really, yeah, really, really in, enjoyed it. Um, I have a, a few, few more questions. I have two questions I ask everybody. Um, mm-hmm. and the first one is out of all the things that you do every single day, what is like one big game changer habit for you, whether it supports your mental health or your physical health or whatever it is for you? Oh my God, that's an easy one. It's visualization. Mm. Um, and it's not like, I'm the type of person where I, I don't want to be constricted into a schedule. So it's not like I wake up every morning and like I meditate or visualize some, sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I just need a break and sometimes I'm putting pressure on myself. So I just need to step out and either meditate or visualize. And I think that's so powerful. 
and so powerful. So I highly recommend it. Yes, I love that. No, that's awesome. And then the other one is say you're like at the end of your life. Um, who knows? Maybe Elon Musk has extended our lives till 200 years and you're looking back and you're looking back at like the impact you've made over your life. So like you got still time ahead to make that impact. Um, what what do you want that impact to be? Like what what do you want to, I guess, achieve in the next you know 50 years? Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, yeah. So I, yeah, I've been reflecting on that actually quite a bit. And I think what, what I really get fired up on is helping people like find themselves, but not that I'm like, I'm doing that as a job. <laughs> <or> like, <laughs> I just, I, I write about this in, in my poems a lot. It's autonomy. And I met this lady Jane call um, in like a hostel in Whistler while I was competing and I was really down and out because I had all these injuries and I, I, I just wanted to shred <laughs> and she, oh my gosh, she was awesome. She really helped me um, learn about autonomy and, and find perspective and self-reflect. And so I think that is so cool. And if I can do anything, it would yeah, I'd be helping people get out of their comfort zone and not feel so confined to society's pressure basically that's awesome yeah. well yeah hopefully this conversation sparks that with some people um when people want to find more about what you do like what you post your book all those things where can they go um so right now i'm i'm basically on instagram as jenna bean <laughs> or <laughs> or win for what the four is the number four okay. win for what um and i'm, I'm starting to yeah. People can click and it'll be easy. <laughs> yes. Do that. And I'm starting some TikToks where I'm like writing poems and, and having some and speaking them and then reciting them. And I'll, I'll have some music and video in the background. Oh, that's um, cool. I like that. Yeah. Might start some YouTube stuff. I don't know, but Instagram and TikTok is happening right now. Win for what? <laughs> for cool. And is your book officially out? Like can people buy it now or is it coming out uh, soon? Yeah, it's out um, as an ebook for Kindle, and then it's out as a paperback print on Amazon.ca. It's just taking some time for shipment. It's, I was so stoked; I thought it would be a two-day shipment, but I need to get some reviews and get those algorithms up because it's just the way she goes these days. But it's it's available on Amazon. <laughs> okay, dope. Well, I'll definitely leave a review so that that helps, hopefully. But um, but yeah, no, like that's super cool. I've I mean I had a chance to to look over the PDF version of the book and it's awesome. Um, really cool what you're up to. I'll make sure to put links to your Instagram uh and all that and the the book in the show notes so people can check it out. And um, yeah, it was it was great to to have you on, catch up and learn more. Like I know obviously, like for people just listening in, Jenna and I are like old friends, but um, it's always cool to, to see when we come from, like we were part of the same system for a while and see like the different directions everyone has gone, uh, is just really interesting, especially because we sh shared a big part of that same journey for a few, few years there. Yeah, man. Junior worlds. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're awesome. And Thank, thanks everyone for listening. My <laughs> gosh. 
Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.